and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Gleason, Arizona, 1968 UFO case. That's correct, Gleason, Arizona, 1968 UFO case. Now this particular case comes to us from theblackvault.com by John Greenwald, March 1st, 2021. The title says, UFO Trace Evidence Case, Gleason, Arizona, August 26, 1968. And uh, Mr. Greenwald has put together an article here and uh, links to some of the some of the uh, papers that he's got from the FOIA request. He says these papers were obtained by the Black Vault from the University of Arizona during the production of a History Channel documentary about UFO trace evidence, UFO file series. During the research phase, these documents were brought in from the university but did not make it into the final cut of the show. I have digitally preserved them here for archival and research purposes. These are from the University of Arizona James E. McDonald Collection, call number MS-412, box 1, folder 15, for reference. Now, I have a link um, to this article at the website ufowarning.com, and you can go there and uh, actually link on to the article here that I'm quoting from. It says, in addition to the above file, I found that paper was scanned, not great resolution, by the Arizona Star Daily Star in 2014, Although the text is more readable in the above PDF, I have archived in this scan as well. And thanks to Black Vault user Claude Falkstrom, the original readable just click to zoom scans were submitted here. Now, if we go to um, the actual the actual articles, we can find them on Tucson.com, and we'll just take a look at these real quick. Um, it starts off, it says, uh, Tucson Daily Citizen. Now, this link, like I said, is also at uh, the UFO Warning Channel. Tucson Daily Citizen, Saturday, October 19, 1968. It says, Gleason UFO Leaves Traces by Cecil James, Citizen Staff Writer. Citizen Photos by Dan Torturell. Uh, the article begins by saying, The smile was kind and gentle. The strong gray-blue eyes seemed to say, Howdy, stranger. You immediately liked her. And the pioneer Arizona teacher and rancher, Mrs. Pearl Christensen of Gleason, in her 71st year, reported seeing unidentified flying objects, UFOs, to the east of her ranch house, August 26. Now, of course, this is August 26, 1968. Quote, I was happily excited about the beauty of the thing, she beamed. I never was afraid. I had no fear, just excited. It was like a full moon or bigger. Later, there were two of them. In this world of modern strange phenomena, one wonders why such objects land. Was it, if real, investigating the Army's communication installation at Fort at Fort Huachica, recharging its power units or repairing some malfunction? Whatever they wore, flying vehicles or the figment of the imagination, they stayed around for four hours, Mrs. Christensen declared. The afternoon was warm. Recently, when citizen photo... Photographer Dan Trulli, a UFO buff, and I journeyed to the Gleason, journeyed to Gleason in southeastern Arizona to interview Mrs. Christensen. Now I've done a little research, and today Gleason is basically a ghost town, but um, they have a lot of really cool pictures here posted on both on uh, theblackball.com and also from uh, this uh, the, the Tucson.com site, where they actually show the pictures that were taken at the time. Of when these UFO, this this UFO phenomena that was uh, 
that was witnessed by Mrs. Christensen, where it apparently landed at and left this burnt depression area in the desert. Now it goes on and says, um, I journeyed to Gleason in southeastern Arizona to interview Mrs. Christensen. The trip also took us over mountain trails to the top of Brown's Peak, the site of the UFO landings. So we have a sighting and a landing. A sighting and a landing, which is a mile and a quarter from the ranch house. Strange fires also scorched parts of the peak. The burning pattern of cactus and grass was erratic, but one student of the UFO mystery does not believe there was any connection between the two events. I think there may be. Now this throws me for kind of a loop here. I'm not sure why they would think there was no connection between uh, these burned patches in the desert and the sighting of this UFO that had occurred just a few hours before. It says, uh, uh, And while standing on the 7,200-foot peak, I felt I was walking where the unknown had been. The view of the surrounding mountains and valleys was overwhelming. It is doubtful that the area has changed in centuries. A native of the Colorado Territory, Mrs. Christensen, moved to Gleason in 1920 to teach the youngsters of the 81 mining community families. Later, she met her late husband and became a ranch wife and part-time teacher. Now, from what I've been able to find, this was actually the site of an old copper mine that's now been shut down. So Mrs. Gleason had moved there in 1920 to be a teacher at this mining town, and I believe they provided copper uh, for the war effort during World War II. Now, remember, the sighting took place in 1968. During the past half century, it says, the, shelter, the slender woman has seen many events in the nearly uninhabited country. Floods, droughts, rattlesnakes, wildlife, and meteorites. But never until this August, a UFO. At 10 minutes to 8 on that Monday evening while driving home, Miss Christensen saw a huge silver circular object seated on the south side of Brown's Peak. I'll repeat that. Mrs. Christian saw a huge silver circular object seated on the south side of Brown's Peak. This happened at 10 minutes to 8 on that Monday night. She says, quote, I had just lowered the chain gate on the road to my house when I saw it. She said, I drove across the chain, sat in the car for five minutes, and wondered what I should do. It looked as though there were a train of lights trailing from one side. Should I drive to Tombstone to report it? No, I thought maybe it would disappear. So I drove on, but it remained. When I went through another gate, I saw a second object, very shiny and gold. It also was stationary, and once in a while, both would glow simultaneously. Now, I want to go here and see some of these pictures that they have. You can go to the website, you can actually look at these and read some of the captions with them. Now, the first one is a picture of um, the guy, I think it's Terrell, they describe as a UFO buff, and it says, Willard Mayfold, operator of the Gleason Museum, examines a badly burned rock, which was among the burned cactus pictured, 48 hours after the unidentified flying objects were seen by Mrs. Pearl Christensen. Mayfield said the rocks in the area were so hot they couldn't be handled. And then it has another picture here of this really kind of a sagebrush area, uh, rocky mountainous terrain. And you can see these burn patches have been left behind. It says unburned grass areas between the burn cactus plants 
make an unusual scene atop Brown's Mountain. Investigators, after 48 hours of the UFO sighting, said the area still had a queer acid smell. So two days later, after these uh, UFOs, almost, she called them circular objects, we might call them orbs today, were spotted. They're describing a queer acid-like smell. And they also described the rocks still being hot to the touch. It says, um, and here's a picture of Mr. Christensen. It says, I was, happily, I was happily excited about the beauty of the thing. It was like a full moon, a train of lights trailing from one side. And then she says, a second object had a bright pink band around its outer edge. It hurt my eyes to look. It almost sounds like they are describing today what we call the orb phenomena, where it starts off with one, and then it breaks up into multiple orbs, and then maybe it's uh, almost like it's uh, coalescing back into one or two. She talks about how they uh, blinked on simultaneously. This almost seems to me to be more of a phenomena than an object. And then it has some more pictures down here. And it says, uh, and this one here, it says, a 40-foot row of cactus plants look like a flamethrower may have hit them all at once. Still, a plant in the center rear hardly was singed by the fire. And it says, uh, it says that some of the people thought that below was a, was a hippie camp near the dirt road. So apparently this is back in the late 60s, 1968. You know, you had all kinds of folks that were out uh, just living in communes, traveling across the country, what they called hippie camps. Some people thought maybe they had started a fire. But the weird thing is, what they're pointing out here is you have this row of, of cactus that look like they were hit by a flamethrower, but then the one in close proximity hasn't been touched at all. Now, they also have a copy of the actual uh, investigative report, and it's titled, it's dated 1968, August 26. It's titled National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. That's interesting. You know, it seemed, it seemed like the first person I heard use this word was Hillary Clinton. It seemed like she was trying to kind of coin this phrase her own. Of course, I'm sure she didn't, obviously she didn't create it. But here we see this phrase used by uh, the government clear back in 1968, aerial phenomena. And then it has, uh, in quotations, NICAP. That's for the National Investigations Committee. It says, Report on Unidentified Flying Objects. So even in 1968, we're seeing that the government understands that there's possibly two type of, of uh, two type of sightings here. Possibly one is phenomena that could be anything from ghost to ball lightning to well UFOs, and the other one would be what we think of as a typical uh, mechanical device, even maybe like what was what was discovered there at Roswell. So we're seeing this idea of two types of UFO occurring, and the importance of deciding which kind it is. It, it says, uh, then underneath the report, it says, Report on Identifying Flying Objects. This form includes questions by the United States Air Force and by other armed force investigating agencies and additional questions to which answers are needed to fulfill, to, to full evaluation by NICAP. <clears throat> After all the information has been fully studied, <clears throat> The conclusion of our evaluation panel will be published by NICAP in its regularly issued magazine or in another publication. Please try to answer as many questions as possible. Should you need additional room, please use another sheet of paper. Please print or typewrite. Your assistance is a great value and is genuinely appreciated. Thank you. Now, 
there's just handwriting all over the place on this thing. And I would really encourage you to go to the website, ufowarning.com, and follow the links, because this stuff is just a treasure trove of information. Uh, it has the name here, Mrs. Pearl Christensen. It says her address, Gleason's, uh, and then it has Elride, Arizona, has her address there, uh, occupation, housekeeper, rancher, uh, now 72, teacher, public schools, uh, date of observation, Monday evening, August 26th. Of course, that would have been 1968. Has a locality here, Browns Peak, near Gleason, on, desert, on, on Deserted Mile, I think it says. How long did you see the object? Four hours. That's really quite a long observation. Four hours. Please describe the weather conditions. It, says it was nighttime, clear skies, calm, dark. Talks about the stars. Were there more than one object? She says, yes, two. I find that interesting because she describes two distinct objects, but then she talks about a train of these things moving across the side of the mountain. She says, uh, does it appear to stand still at any time? Yes. It says, uh, did it drop anything? No. Did it change brightness? Yes. Uh, did it change shape? It says the gold one passed on rainbow. Huh. On outer one. Okay, that's what she's talking about, this rainbow-type, I think, band that went across the, the front of the orb. So these things are uh, changing, I think, the color and the and just the appearance of themselves as they're sitting there for four hours on the side of this mountain, just just displaying themselves. It goes on and says, did you, have, did you observe the objects through an optical instrument? She says, filled glasses, but watched them easily without aid. So she was able to see these things pretty clearly, even though she was, it sounds like, over a mile away. It goes on here and says, uh, the hand lighting's a little bit jumbled. You can kind of read through it, but she talks about a moonlit light, how she was able, how well she was able to see him. And then she's got just basically what she's already told is written down here about the color, the silver color of the objects, how they just sat there. Very interesting stuff. And they put a lot of detail in this. Uh, she gives a very good uh, description of exactly where they're at there in Brown Mountain in, rela in relation to the other stuff. It says, uh, is, the, is there an airport, military government, or research uh, installation in the area? Now, she says, no, no, only falling meteorites. So even though the newspaper person talks about there being a uh, military installation in that general area, apparently it wasn't that close because she's lived there you know most of her life and she says no nothing like that here it says have you seen other objects of an unidentified nature no only falling meteorites so this isn't a person who just sees ufos all the time this is her first experience at age 72 first experience and then it goes ahead and it has her hazard signature at the bottom all very just it's just fascinating to look at the details of this stuff uh, and then it has another witness on here who talks about um the fact that they saw it, it's seen it like, it says, uh, well, there's more than one object, it says, there was three objects, uh, they were not moving. So this is not just a single person observing this, this is a multi-witness account, and this Mayfield fellow here says that he saw, it looks like, three objects that were just stationary there. It says, appeared to stand still at any time, yes, suddenly speed up and rush away, no. Did they break up or explode? No. Did they give off smoke? No. Did they leave any visible trail? No. Did they drop anything? No. Did they change brightness? Yes. Did they change shape? No. Did they change color? Yes. So see, we're getting the same basic um, 
the basic account from both witnesses. One says for sure she saw two, although she does describe this kind of a train of, of, ob of circular objects moving in. And then she looks up and sees the two just sitting there stationary. This fellow here says he saw three of them. Three orbs, I guess is what we would call them, or circular objects up on the side of that mountain. And apparently they're fading in and out, lighting up, going dark, lighting up, going dark, and at one point even sinking together. It says here, um, tell us the apparent size of the objects when compared with the following held at arm's length. Now he describes that the one that the two objects were the size of a dime and one object was the size of a nickel. Well, that's a pretty good size because if you hold your thumb up at arm's length, you can pretty much black out the moon. So that tells me these things could have been uh, quite large, actually. They could have been quite large. It says, the larger of the three was sitting to the west of the two smaller ones. I was, I was something north when I saw them. Okay, so he must have been traveling down the roads. How did you happen to notice the objects? He says, I stepped outside my home to look around before retiring to bed. So he steps outside of his house. He looks off across the horizon there to the mountain, and he sees these three orbs. At my home, preparing to go to bed, he says, I didn't, I didn't watch them until they disappeared. Wow. They didn't move while I watched. It says, uh, were there any conventional aircraft in the location or immediately afterwards? He says, no. What was the elevation of the sky? They were, they were landed on a mountaintop approximately 7,200 feet. So this is pretty good eyewitness account, pretty detailed eyewitness accounts from two different people seeing the same thing at the same time. And it says here, I was, I was something but didn't realize at the time that the two were seeing, okay, the handwriting here is a little bit off. It says Gleason located and they, they have a map here, and then they're showing the map the two witnesses. This is so cool. They've done such thorough work on this stuff. Now, here we go. It says, it was in the afternoon of uh, August 28, 1968. Mrs. Pearl Christensen, a retired, a retired Army mare, and I drove as far as you could and then watched about half a mile to the top of Browns Peak and at the spot where the UFOs had landed two days before. The ground was rocky, was scattered, sated cactus and grass that was dry. There were patches of burned grass and cactus measuring approximately 40 feet long and 20 feet to 30 feet wide, alternating with shape of grass and cactus that burned at all. In the burned area, the rocks showed signs of intense heat and can and could still and still and were still uh, too hot to hold in my hand wow there was a there was a i can't quite make the word out odor about the place to uh, can't think of any odor to compare it to wow so they're smelling something one person said it was a queer acid smell but he says it's I can't compare this to anything. The burn strips ran east and west in duration, site of landing. So what they're showing here is, yeah, wow. 
two days after the sighting, they go to the site where they saw these things at, and just miraculously, there's burned up cactus everywhere. And the rock is too hot to hold in his hand two days later. Now, what could possibly heat that rock up in the desert that would be so hot that you couldn't hold it in your hand two days later? It almost sounds as if there's some sort of uh, radioactive reaction or something. Very strange. It says, I am enclosing photographs and newspaper clippings. Uh, please return William Mayfield. And then it has a bunch of the pictures here. And this, they're very eerie looking. You know, it's a desert area. And you can just see the cactus and stuff uh, burnt up in, in, in strips there. And imagine how hot those rocks must have been. Wow. Well, overall, it's a fascinating case. And like I said, once again, uh, John Greenwald at the Black Vault has done some really good work uh, getting this stuff uncovered. Uh, never seems to he never he never seems to get tired of, of finding cool stuff for us to look at, and I, we all appreciate that very much. Um, I've got some more stuff coming out next week concerning disclosure. Uh, there's been some stuff coming out about that. It's pretty interesting. I think you'll like. Uh, if you like the podcast, follow the podcast. You can always feel free to uh, sign up on the. Uh, Anchor donor page. That all helps too. And until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.